Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. You would please welcome with me to the stage, Pastor Ed Funderburg. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Pastor Mel, I laughed this morning when I got ready to speak to your staff. I think the word got out that I'm really small, and so... I can, it makes me feel tall to have to raise the stand there. So, hey, it is great to be back. Uh, I like what you've done with the place. You know, I was here uh, almost nine years ago uh, when Pastor Jake was your leader, and, and uh, the building looked considerably different. And so I love what God's done here. Uh, what a beautiful area. I hope you guys don't take for granted where you live. This is really one of the prettiest parts of the country and uh, it is just an honor to be back. Um, Pastor Mel is, he's a, he's a great friend, a great husband, a great father. He's a great pastor, a great leader. He is uh, a great host. I've had such a good time being cared for over the last few days by him. He's a great baseball fan, and that makes us really good friends. Uh, lots of good things I could say, but I think you guys know uh, that he, you're in really good hands under his leadership and I love the team that is assembled around him. I love the momentum that you guys have and the influence that you have in the community. And I am really, really thrilled. Uh, several weeks ago in preparation for coming, uh, I asked him a, a question I ask almost every church I have the privilege of going and working with. Could you just send me a dashboard? Now, that's my language for your weekend attendance and the number of services, what's going on in your staff. Share with me some real success that you're having and then some of the challenges that you're having and those types of things. And man, when I got the report, I was absolutely amazed. And so I want to encourage you, you're the core leaders or you would not be here on a first Wednesday. Would, I, would you join me in praying that God will help you guys to continue to, to make a, a great impact in this community? Uh, and, and, and this is not common. This is uncommon. And it's a real blessing from the Lord to see a church that is having such impact. And I'm just, I want to commend you. And can we just honor your pastor tonight for the great leadership? Thank you, Pastor Mel. Thank you. He and Pastor Kim and the staff around them, what an awesome, awesome uh, privilege to be here. Well, if you have your Bible tonight, I want to ask you to do a couple of things. Turn to two passages of Scripture. The first and the foremost, where we'll camp out tonight, Isaiah 61. And if you've been in church a long time, that's going to be a very familiar passage when we get there. And then also put a marker at Jeremiah 29. So Isaiah 61, Jeremiah 29. 29. And while you're identifying those and marking them for us to look at here in just a moment, I want to bring you greetings from your friends down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Pastor Robert Morris and the leadership team of Gateway Church. We consider it always a great privilege to be connected to churches throughout the country. I shook hands with a number of people before the service, and there was a kind gentleman in the back that said, I really like your pastor. I watch The Blessed Life on a regular basis on Daystar or whatever network. How many of you have seen the, the television program, The Blessed Life? Very good. Well, if you've not seen it, I want to encourage you to do so, and I generally don't make plugs for my pastor, but I'll just tell you, it is worthwhile to watch that uh, program. It's a good television program where he just simply preaches uh, the Word of God, and I would encourage you, if you get opportunity to, to, to locate him on your satellite or cable and, and watch that, record it when you get opportunity. Um, a little bit of an odd introduction, but if you'll bear with me, I promise this is an encouraging message, but I want to set it up with these thoughts. Uh, after 33, according to my notes, actually recently 34 years in vocational ministry, beginning June of this year, I'm beginning my 35th year in vocational ministry, and during all these years of doing vocational ministry work, I've discovered something that troubles me, and I want to talk to you about it tonight. Some of the saddest most depressed and unfulfilled people on earth are Christians. So let that settle in for just a moment. Some of the most disheartened people on earth are people who have a relationship with Christ. Can we just agree? The opposite should be true. And, and what I want to do tonight is present to you what I have discovered that can help remedy this problem. 
Many of these people that are disheartened, living defeated and discouraged lives, even though they have a relationship with Christ, these are folks who regularly attend church. Many of them read their Bible, they pray, some of them tithe, and they do many of the things that the church offers. But when you examine their lives closely, here's what you'll discover. Many of them are miserable. They're not living the joy-filled, abundant life that Jesus has promised in John 10, verse 10. And because of their uh, lack of fulfillment, because of their misery, so to speak, the sad news is they have very little positive influence on their non-Christian friends, neighbors, co-workers, and family members. Now, aren't you glad Mr. Encouragement came all the way from Dallas to speak to you tonight? <laughs> Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. For the next 35 minutes, I want to ask you to give me your undivided attention. I want to ask that you not be distracted and that you not be a distraction to anyone around you. And here's why. The person that I've just described just might be seated immediately in front of you. He or she might be right behind you. This person may be to your right or to your left. I might be describing someone who uh, rode in the car with you on the way to the service tonight. It could be that I'm describing the person that is seated in your chair. You see, this message could be from God to help some of you awaken to the joy-filled, abundant life that Jesus desires for all of us. And so, please listen intently tonight. Um, what we're going to do in the message, I'm going to ask and do my very best to answer a very important question. Why? Why is it true that there are so many defeated and discouraged, unfulfilled and unhappy Christians attending our churches today? Now, truth be told, I believe there are several reasons, but we're going to look at the primary reason. It, it far outweighs the others, and so I want to emphasize it tonight. And let me just give you that answer from the get-go. If you're a note-taker, if you're someone who wants to write something down, here's what I would tell you. The church has only emphasized one of the ministries of Jesus. In other words, Jesus came to make several things available to us. There are several ministries of Jesus. The church at large has only emphasized one of the things he came to do. So in just a few minutes, I promise we'll get to Isaiah 61. I have mastered long introductions today, Pastor Mel. I'm so sorry. I met with the staff this morning, and I gave a 30-minute introduction on an hour teaching. So I'm not going to do that tonight, but I, I realize I'm, I'm at it again. So we're going to get to Isaiah 61, and what we're going to see, this is a prophetic picture, a, a, a snapshot, if you don't mind, of the soon-to-come ministries of Jesus. Now, before we get there, I want to tie in one other passage, and it may be one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible. In John chapter 17, so over in the New Testament, John chapter 17, we see what is referred to as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. This prayer was prayed in the last hours of Jesus' life before he was to go and be crucified. And in just a minute, we are going to look at one verse that changes everything for us. Now, in this amazing prayer, I believe the most beautiful prayer recorded in the Bible, Jesus prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for the church the future church. That would include all of us. Isn't that incredible? He's facing crucifixion, and he's praying not only for himself, but for others. Listen, it is a good thing to pray for yourself. It is not inappropriate. If you're at a place where there are some challenges in your life, pray for yourself. Cry out to God and ask for his intervention. That's what Jesus modeled for us. So he prayed for his disciples, those closest to him. I would say that would be my small group. And he prayed for the church at large. Now, that's John 17. If you uh, remember, right before John 17, we have what is known as the Lord's Supper. 
in the upper room. Theologians refer to this passage, John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus dined with his disciples this last time, this final meal, and he was informing them of what was about to come, the upper room discourse. So that's right before this prayer. And then immediately after this prayer, we see in John 18, where Jesus uh, journeyed into the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was there that he prayed so intensely. And if you recall, it's over in Luke 22. It's the same story. But in Luke 22, there's one other bit of information. It says that he grieved so deeply that he actually sweat drops of blood. Do you remember this story? So these final hours of Jesus' life, what I'm trying to do is emphasize the importance of this prayer. So John chapter 17, I want to look at one verse, verse 4. It's the beginning of this prayer. He prayed this, Father, I have brought you glory here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's how he began this amazing prayer that I encourage you on your own this week to read. But he began this prayer by saying, Father, I have brought you glory here on earth. Can I ask a question? How many of you here at the summit want to bring glory to God with your life? Can you just maybe wave at me tonight? Yeah. I want to bring glory to God with my life. Jesus modeled for us how to make that happen, how to accomplish that very thing. And what did he do? He completed his assignment. Now, what I want to emphasize tonight is I believe this with everything in me that Jesus had an assignment on his life. He had a job description, and we're going to look at it in Isaiah 61. And just like Jesus, you too have an assignment on your life. And there is coming a day where you get to stand before the Father and you get to acknowledge whether or not you completed the work he gave you to do. Is this helping you? So I want to say, let's get busy identifying what has God gifted me and called me to do. And then I want to spend the rest of my life carrying out the assignment that God has given me so that in my last hours, I can say to the Father, as Jesus did, I've completed the work you gave me to do. Well, um, it will be impossible for any of us to fulfill the assignment on our lives unless we fully understand and apply everything we're going to see in Isaiah 61 to our lives. What Jesus did, the assignment he had, the job description that he was given by his Father, if fully applied, and again, all of the ministries of Jesus, not just one, but everything that he died to make available, if we will put that into our experience, then we are going to be qualified and capable to carry out the assignment that he has for us. So the introduction is now passed, and we are to Isaiah 61. So if you have your Bible, look with me at Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. Here we see this familiar passage. This is prophesied years before Jesus would come by Isaiah, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, before I go any further, can I just suggest to you, it is a really good thing to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can I just tell you, that's available to all of us. We can live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It goes on prophesying, Isaiah said, He has chosen me. Another translation says, He has anointed. Another, He has appointed me to do the following. First, to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to minister recovery of sight to the blind, to preach freedom to the captive, to set at liberty those who are bruised, and then finally, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So can I just suggest to you that tonight what I want you to do is listen. I'm just going to walk through in very uh, bullet point fashion. I'm going to teach from this text, and I want us to consider have I applied all of the ministries of Jesus to my life? 
And on each one, just ask yourself, Lord, do I need to, to apply this to my life? And I would suggest at the end of the night that all of us will be able to say there are areas that we need to adjust so that we too can fulfill the assignment God has for us. So here's the first ministry of Jesus. He came to preach the gospel to the poor. Uh, preaching the gospel leads to the first and foremost ministry of Jesus, the ministry of salvation. Now, can, can I say this? Um, I believe that uh, this, is the this is the one ministry of Jesus that the church at large does well. When we began, I said one of the reasons we live defeated and dis discouraged lives uh, less than God intended is because the church only emphasized one of the ministries of Jesus. This is that ministry. And so I'm not minimizing it. I'm not saying it's unimportant. It is essential. It's foundational to everything else that we would be born again, preaching the gospel, declaring that Jesus is the only way. He's not one way to God. He is the only way to God. And this phrase, if I can touch on it, it says, to the poor, Listen, certainly that would include the financially poor, but it doesn't matter how much money you have in your wallet, in your purse, in your bank account, or wherever it might be. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, can I just suggest you are poor? I want you to know you must have a relationship with Jesus in order to be born again. And that's where the richness of life is experienced. A person could be physically healed and still spend eternity separated from God in hell. Listen, you must be born again. Salvation is the greatest miracle any of us will ever experience. We, we must understand how important and significant this first ministry of Jesus is. Uh, we also have to understand that salvation alone will not solve all the problems that we're going to face this side of heaven. And when we only emphasize salvation, in essence, we cheapen the death of Christ because he died to make more available to us. You see, Jesus wants to do more than just get us to heaven. Jesus wants to help us this side of heaven while we're still here on earth. If all it, 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 it he ever intended was for us to be born again, why wouldn't he just like take us all to heaven when, when we're born again? The truth is he wants us to influence others. There's assignments that he has for us once we come into relationship with him. So in addition to salvation, what are some of the other ways that Jesus wants to help us. The second item listed here on this amazing job description, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came, here's another way to say that, to minister um, emotional healing to each of our lives. Inner healing, some might refer to it as. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. So has anyone here in Indiana, Pennsylvania, other than me, ever experienced a broken heart? Is there anybody in the house that would say, oh, yeah, I've had one of those? And, and see, the truth is, it could be that you're here tonight with a broken heart. I've received some challenging news here in just the last few weeks, and, and I'm living with a little bit of a disheartened uh, disposition right now. But here's what I know. God is good. God's in control of all these things. See, we live between heaven and hell. How many of you know we're going to experience a little bit of both, are we not? There are good days and bad days. Well, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. A great scripture that supports this text in Isaiah, Psalm 34, verse 18. Listen to this promise. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Listen, if you came here tonight and you're brokenhearted, the Lord is near. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And it goes on to say, he saves those. He assists, he ministers to those who are crushed in spirit. I believe that uh, the greatest need in the church is for God to heal the hearts of those who already have a relationship with Him. If that describes you tonight, please know that emotional healing, healing of your broken heart is available this very night. Before you leave this room, we can pray and God can begin the mending of broken hearts. Isn't that good news? Here's the third thing listed on this job description that is uh, Jesus' assignment from his father. He came to minister recovery of sight to the blind. 
physical healing, this is still something that God wants to accomplish in us. We, we should, no matter what medical report we receive, we need to have confidence that God is capable of healing whatever is wrong in our bodies. I'm puzzled by the bad theology that exists in the great majority of mainline evangelical churches that would suggest this, um, that uh, once the church was fully established at the end of the first century, that the, the power gifts of the Holy Spirit were no longer needed. This is known as cessationism. And by the way, your church is not a cessationist church. You're a, a, a non-dispensational church. You believe that all the gifts are for today. Aren't you glad that physical healing is something God can still do? And although there's a strong argument that uh, people would, would bring that would say that the power gifts have ceased and they're no longer uh, uh, needed in the church today, um, God's Word does not support that, nor does history. And so uh, there's a great verse, uh, Psalm 103. It's actually two verses, verses 2 and 3. Psalm 103, 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And it says, forget not all of his benefits. How many of you know there are many benefits available to us because of our relationship with Christ? And then it lists a few. He forgives all our sin. There is the first ministry of Jesus. There's salvation. It goes on to say, and in addition to salvation, and he heals all our diseases. Physical healing is available. If you're here tonight with a chronic illness, something that has plagued you for years, physical healing is available. We can cry out to a loving father and receive healing for our bodies today. If you need healing, be confident that God has purchased your healing through Jesus' death on the cross. And it will be my privilege and others who are part of the ministry team to pray for you tonight. Aren't you glad that God is not in heaven right now nervous? He's not sweating profusely, wiping his brow, hoping I'll move on to the next point. I'm telling you, God is capable of addressing physical needs in our lives. Here's the fourth item on this job description of Jesus. He came to preach freedom to the captive. Freedom from bondage, freedom from addiction, freedom from all unhealthy life patterns. You know, even as followers of Christ, we can be in bondage to many things. And for some in the room and some that are a part of the weekend experience, it could be that we struggle with what we call the taboo sins of our culture, things like drug addiction or alcoholism, and more recently, something that is prevalent both inside and outside the church, addiction to pornography. Can I tell you, I travel a lot. I work with a lot of pastors and leaders these things happen even among Christ followers. And you might be able to say, you know what? Let's move on to that next point. Check, check, check. I'm good. None of those are my situation. Before we rush ahead, one, I want to say, if you're here and any of those are your concern tonight, God can set you free. Tonight, in an instant, the Holy Spirit can engage you and you can live in freedom. Don't believe a lie that you'll always struggle with whatever it is that is a current struggle for you. But it may be that you're saying, Ed, I'm good there. I'm not struggling in those areas. Could it be that you're, you're okay in those areas, but you struggle with insecurity? That you're someone who would say, I struggle with performance. If I'm not performing as a husband or a father, as a wife or a mother, as an employee, whatever the category your, your, your identity is shaped by how well you're performing. Listen, the Lord wants to set you free. We will only find our true identity in a relationship with Him. When we just accept, we're imperfect. We're broken. We're in progress until the day the Lord takes us home. But we can live free of the bondage, free of the baggage of trying to perform our way into God's love. He loves us unconditionally in spite of our performance. This should be helping us tonight. I know that I need to, to be reminded of this from time to time. God loves me unconditionally. And, and you need to accept that tonight. Well, um, I am... Uh, 
I'm so grateful for two or three incredible encounters with God in my life. And I'll briefly reference a few of those. I remember at age 21, the year was 1982, as a college student who was stacking a number of bad decisions. You ever seen people that make one bad decision and think, okay, I'm going to cover that one with another bad decision. I was that guy. 21 years old, had made a mess of my life, and I was wonderfully, radically born again. And I'm so grateful for that life change that took place. But as I referenced earlier, salvation alone won't solve all the problems that we face this side of heaven. So I'm grateful for my salvation. It was about seven and a half, almost eight years later in 1990, uh, as a 29-year-old father and husband, that I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful for this incredible life change, the, 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 the gift of praying in the Holy Spirit and, and, and the, the, the evidence of the Holy Spirit being on display in my life, much more so than I had ever known. I'm so grateful for those two encounters, salvation, baptism, and the Holy Spirit. And if, if you're from a non-charismatic, a non-spirit-filled background, can I just tell you, the Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is wonderful. And don't be spooked by the horror stories of maybe what you've heard in the past. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You need to experience the fullness of, of the Spirit of God in your life. So salvation and, and the Holy Spirit. But there was one other encounter with the Lord that not only am I grateful for, but my wife and my children are grateful for. This happened only 13 years ago when I was 43 years of age. The year was 2004. I'm on staff at Gateway at this time, a year and a half or so in. And for the first time in my life, because of the environment I was in, which was a really healthy ministry situation, some of the uh, stuff in my life that was dark and hidden and not known was exposed. And I'm so thankful that the Lord shined a light on that and it led to what was freedom in Christ. And I want to talk about that just a little bit uh, tonight. My family would tell you that it's likely my wife and I would not still be married and I don't think I would have a relationship with my kids had God not done a great work in my life uh, in the year 2004. Without question, the greatest behavioral change to ever take place in my life took place uh, when I experienced freedom from what was maniacal, raging anger. Oh, it wasn't often, it wasn't common, but I'm telling you, it was radical when it did take place. And um, <laughs> I'm trying to shorten a story, but I'm going to go ahead and just tell part of the story. Uh, this all began for me when I almost lost my job at Gateway, and here's how that took place. I had a, a pretty intense exchange with my boss, and if I shared his name, you may know him. He's a well-known pastor of a very significant church in America today, and at the time, he was on our team. He was also my neighbor and one of my best friends, but we got crossed up, and I felt like he was picking on me. Can I just acknowledge to you tonight, up until that point in my life, I suffered from what I now refer to as little man syndrome. <laughs> and he picked on me, and I said, hey, that's not funny. Don't ever do that again. When you weigh about 145 pounds, nobody really uh, takes you seriously. And, and I remember we, got ex we, we just got crossed up, and it was like, are you threatening me? And I said, I'm not threatening you. I'm just telling you, that's not funny to me. Don't ever do that again. So he leaned in and got about an inch from my face, and he did the exact same thing again. And I grabbed him, my boss, by the way, right? my boss, buy a shirt, and I pulled him across his desk. Have you ever been enraged to the point that you had an adrenaline rush and I had like Superman strength? Now, sadly, this was not uncommon to me. Uh, I had struggled even as a pastor. At this point, I had already been a pastor for over 20 years. I am a spirit-filled, tongue-talking minister at one of the largest churches in America, and I absolutely lost my mind. Can I tell you, my boss's eyes got about this big. But rather than fire me, he hugged me. He calmed me down. He prayed for me, and he said, Ed, you need help. 
and we're going to get you help. And, and what he did, it modeled for me what true oversight and spiritual relationship should look like. He didn't let me off the hook. He didn't just say, I know that's not really who you are. He required, do you hear that word? He required me to get professional counseling from a Christian counselor. And for the first time in my life, my wife had never heard these stories. I had buried some things from childhood. I grew up in a children's home in between the ages of five and eight. Can I just tell you, I was repeatedly sexually abused. And I'm not telling you this so you'll feel sorry for me. Today, I'm a 56-year-old healthy man with a great marriage and a great family and a, a great career. God has done a miracle in my life. But up until that point, 13 years ago, the byproduct of my abuse was violent, raging anger. Now, I've given you a very personal story, and I've gone into great detail for a couple of reasons. It could be that, like me, you've believed a lie about your own life. You've had victory in many areas, and you can check many boxes as to your performance with the Lord. But listen to me. If there is an area in your life that surfaces every once in a while, that is damaging in your relationships, and you understand this is not God's best, tonight could be your night of freedom. In an instant, in a counselor's office, as I shared my story and she prayed for me, God set me free of anger. And yes, all these years later, after counseling, I have found ways to manage uh, the anger that the enemy wants to bring to me. But I live totally and completely free of the maniacal raging anger that I once had. And as a result, my marriage is blessed. I have great relationships with my children. And I live a much more peaceful and secure life in my relationship with Christ. Can we just thank the Lord for that tonight? Thank you, Lord. You see, according to 2 Corinthians 3, 17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. And so I have to ask, does the Holy Spirit govern your life? Does the Holy Spirit influence and control your life? I believe this. When we experience salvation, that first ministry of Jesus, when we are born again, I believe the Holy Spirit moves into our lives. He, he takes residence in us. But can I suggest to you that we need to activate the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, on a regular basis. We need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be enacted and enlarged in our life. This beautiful auditorium has lights on the ceiling, but this room would be pitch black. In other words, this room was pre-wired with lights, but somebody has to flip a switch in order for the lights to come on. Listen, tonight, the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, He lives within you, but we're going to have time to pray and simply flip the switch and ask the Holy Spirit to be awakened in your life. Don't believe the lie that you will always struggle with a particular sin or issue. According to John 8, 36, a familiar verse to you, but let's apply it here. He whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Another translation says it this way. If the Son, Jesus, liberates you, you are completely and unquestionably free. So here's the fifth item on this great job description of Jesus. Jesus came to set at liberty those who are, odd word here, bruised. Those who are bruised. This is an additional reference, a second time that, that the Lord is pointing out the need for emotional healing in our lives. This is, he's repeating himself. This must be really important. We need to, to make available our hearts so that God can do uh, inner healing and emotional healing. Proverbs 20, verse 30, uh, in the King James, is one of the most bizarre verses in the entire Bible. And I don't have it in my notes. Let's see if I can recall it. I memorized this verse many, many years ago. It says, um, the blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, and so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Aren't you glad you came to church? Isn't that a bizarre verse? 
So I remember as a youth pastor, I used to have weekly scripture memory, and I, and I gave that one to my uh, teenagers years ago. This is 30 years ago, and, and we all just thought, what a bizarre verse. So today, when I see them, we can all quote that verse, the blueness of a wound, which by the way, it's referencing a bruise, the blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, and so do stripes, the inward parts of the belly. Now, if you look at a more modern uh, paraphrase of that verse, uh, today's English version says it this way, and this is much more easy to comprehend. It says, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. How many of you can apply that one to your life? That's a little better, isn't it? Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Uh, how many times do you need to touch a hot stove to know, I don't ever want to do that again? <laughs> Most of us learn that the first time. We've all done something foolish like that, haven't we? Uh, I once sat on a, a, a space heater uh, when I was a little boy to put on my underwear. I didn't sit there long. I'm just saying, you learn painful experiences make us change our behavior. So uh, shortly after we moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and again, this is almost 15 years ago, uh, we had moved from a church in Houston where we had served about the same amount of time, about 14 and a half years, and uh, we relocated to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We bought a new home. Our boys were 10 and 5, and my youngest son, Levi, can we just pray right now? Lord, help my son, Levi, who's driving through the night from South Dakota back to Dallas. Give him safety. Amen. Thank you. I feel better now. I'm so encouraged that right before I got up to preach, he promised me he would get a hotel room because that's a long drive. Can we just agree on that? So Levi at the time was five years old and, um, and 2, 3 a.m. I am startled awake by a shrill cry. How many of you know your kids' voices? So I knew it was Levi and it sounded like he had really injured himself. And I'm on my feet running, pitch black of night, brand new home, unfamiliar with the lay of the furniture, I'm running toward the stairs, and I caught the corner of a piano bench uh, right in the thigh. And if you're curious, even though I'd known the Lord for many years, I did not say, praise the Lord. <laughs> I, did not, I did not quote any of my favorite scriptures. I, I hobbled up the stairs to go check on my son. And as I'm running toward him, after he had cried, I remembered we just assembled bunk beds in his room. And I feared that he had fallen out of the top bunk and really injured himself. But when I finally uh, got to uh, the room, a couple of things I realized. One, if you're curious, Mom, Levi's fine. He'd already gotten back into the bottom bunk, and he would soon be fast asleep. But dear old dad was injured. I knew as soon as I hit that piano bench, uh, that's going to leave a mark. And it did. And, and I had a pretty significant bruise. I so appreciate your sympathy. You're laughing at my pain. But anyway, it's been a while, so I'll forgive you. The next morning, the next morning, I remember going to lead a men's small group, and it just so happened to meet at 6 a.m. It was an early men's group, a breakfast group, and I hobbled in in shorts and flip-flops, and I was really showing off my credentials. I mean, I had a good-sized bruise. And can I just tell you, it was the first time that I ever thought, you know, Lord, at some point in my career, I'd like to lead a, a, a small group for women because, because they would express sympathy. Not one man in that group had anything sympathetic. All of them, as if I needed it, had advice. I mean, they all had advice. Hey, slow down. Don't run in the dark, right? All these practical, helpful things. Um, life's not an emergency. I remember all these things they suggested and, uh, and, and yet, can I, uh, a little more advice for you? Here, how about this? If people don't ask for your advice, don't offer it. They really don't want it. Am I right? So there was one older man in the group that waited until all the others spoke. And here's what I remember him saying. He said, Ed, why don't you stay in bed and let your wife take care of those boys? I'm just saying, now that's pretty good. Thank you. I, I can use that. I shared that with my wife, and she wasn't quite as excited. Well, that really is a, that's a funny story, and the primary reason that's funny is because it didn't happen to your leg, but the reality is it's a funny story, and, um, uh, but not all painful experiences in life make us laugh. And I believe there are people that came here tonight to the church who were experiencing intense emotional pain. There are others of you that live with ongoing and chronic physical pain that just seemingly will not ever go away. 
Many here have experienced things like abandonment and abuse, neglect and rejection. And can I just say, if any of those are true for you tonight, if that is your experience, it is likely that you too have bruises. And so if you're a note taker, jot this phrase down. This, this will make more sense after I deliver it. But a bruise is an outward sign that something on the inside is wounded. A bruise is an outward sign that something inside, it's an indicator that something inside is damaged, is wounded, is broken. Many of us have bruises, and one of the ministries of Jesus is to heal the bruises in our lives. Isn't that an encouraging truth? And so, Lord, we pray that you would do that very thing in our lives tonight. It could be that you're here and you've been betrayed by an unfaithful spouse. One of my friends has uh, just gone through uh, this in his life, and I cannot fathom how difficult that is. I mean, we've all had some challenging days. I can't imagine anything being more painful than being betrayed by a spouse. It may be that you've had your heart broken by a wayward child. It could be that you were fired unjustly by a boss who didn't believe you when you told him or her the truth. It may be that you've been humiliated or embarrassed by a coach when you failed to execute a play and it cost your team the game. It may be that you have looked up to a pastor or a spiritual leader only later to discover that that person was living a double life. He wasn't who he claimed to be. And as a result, you've kind of limped through life with an eyebrow raised, not really giving a lot of confidence to the man of God. Listen, it's possible that you need God to heal the bruise in your life. If any of these are true, it's likely that you have bruises and God wants to touch those and heal them tonight. Well, thus far, we've seen that God came to save us. He came to heal us emotionally, he came to heal us physically, and he came to set us free. And as we move to close the message tonight, please don't miss the final thing on Jesus's amazing job description. It is this, he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to extend to us favor. So I have to ask, how many of you would not mind if God extended favor to your life tonight? You would be all right if God just uh, reached out and poured encouragement and hope your way. I believe that one of the greatest challenges that we face, one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is that he wants to steal our hope, our confidence in God. He wants to create circumstances and cause us to not believe that God is good, that he loves us, that he is for us. And so when he can rob us of hope, he accomplishes his ultimate goal in our lives. As a pastor all these years, I can't think of anything that is more difficult to see on a person than hopelessness. It could be brought on by a negative medical report. It could be brought on by a, a, a crisis in marriage, an unexpected career change. Uh, there are a number of ways that hopelessness might come our way, but the enemy wins when we throw in the towel. There's a story in Acts chapter 27, and this very well may describe your life tonight. Acts 27, it, it, I think it would make a great Hollywood movie. It's the story of one of Paul's shipwrecks. And if you recall, it was in early in that chapter, he warned the captains that, hey, I don't know that it's really wise for us to launch out. There's, there's bad weather, and if we get out of that, we may, we may be in trouble. Well, he was right. They went anyway. 276 men on a boat, and the Bible tells us in this amazing story that all of them, including Paul, all of them feared for their lives. And there was reason. No matter which way they turned... Uh, they turned deeper into the storm such that they could no longer navigate. They just had to let the storm blow the ship wherever uh, the storm wanted to take the ship. Listen, that may be a description of some lives in here tonight. It seems that no matter how hard you try, there's just one difficult day after another. It goes on to say here in verse 20 that when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and as, as if that's not bad enough, 
And the storm continued raging. Finally, the end result, finally, the Bible records, we gave up all hope. When we give up hope, the enemy wins. Now, Paul encouraged them, listen, I have a prophetic word. God has spoken to me that I'm going to preach in Rome. And he had yet to do so. So he knew somehow we're going to make it through. And he encouraged them, go underneath into the belly of the ship and begin to discard anything that's, that's not essential. Can I suggest if you're in a difficult place in life, how about if you just begin to throw overboard from your life the things that are hindering you from making progress, the things that are holding you back. Discard them. Get them off the ship. Throw them away. Set aside things that, that are restricting you and not allowing you to make progress. Well, um, that was a, a, a dark verse, but here's a really positive verse. When we began, I asked you to put a marker at Jeremiah 29. The good news is we're there, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And, and this, is, this is your future being described. Here's what God says over you tonight. I know the plans I have for you. Ponder that for a moment. God has a plan for each of our lives. He has a plan for your life. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And it says, plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, we're all candidates tonight to receive hope from heaven, no matter what we are walking through. So I want to ask you to do, as I pray for us, would you stand? And I want to encourage you, please, uh, for the next couple of minutes, two to three minutes as I close here. I don't want you to look around. So maybe a good thing for all of us to do right now while we're standing is just to simply close our eyes. And we're going to spend just a moment praying and we're doing an inventory of our own lives. We're not concerned about our neighbor. We're not concerned about anyone else right now. We're thinking about our own lives. Here's the question I want you to ponder as I uh, step toward praying for us as we examine these six areas of Jesus ministry. Which ministry of Jesus do I need to apply to my life? So that's the question I want you to ponder. Which ministry of Jesus do, do I need to apply to my life today? Do you need to be born again? Do you need to receive Christ to be forgiven of your sins? Are you in need tonight of salvation? If so, in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to actually pray for that very thing. Do you need prayer for a broken heart? Do you need the Lord to heal the bruises in your life? Do you need inner healing? Are you a candidate tonight because of something that's ongoing in your life or possibly something brand new, a medical report? Do you need tonight physical healing in your body? Are you in need of freedom from bondage or addiction? It could be one of those taboo things we referenced. It could be identity. It could be performance. It could be something else that the Lord has pointed out to you. For me, it was, it was freedom from maniacal, raging anger. But I testify to you tonight that God is able to set you free. Do you tonight need hope or favor for your life, for your marriage, for your family, your finances, your career. What ministry of Jesus needs to be fully applied to your life? Now, I'm going to pray. And what I'd like to ask you to do while your eyes are closed, not looking around, if you would just say, Ed, I need to apply at least one of those to my life. I want to pray for you. Would you just simply lift a hand so I'll know who I'm praying for tonight? Thank you. A number of hands. As a matter of fact, the great majority of people here lifted a hand. You can put your hands down. I don't want you to feel any pressure, but I do want to invite you in this way. If you just lifted a hand, or even if you were reserved and you just thought, I just didn't want anybody to know, uh, if you want to receive prayer, would you be so kind as to simply just join me right here at the altar? Go ahead right now. I'm going to pray, but I want you to just begin to step out. If you lifted a hand, just step right out and, and be brave. Please know the great majority of people said, you know what? I need everything Jesus has made available. So a good number of you are lining up. I'm going to pray a summary prayer, and then Pastor Mel is going to come. And I want to say to you, thank you for receiving the message tonight. A, a, a good number of people are coming, and as everyone is walking this way, let me just pray for these six things, and I'll... I'll sit down. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the assignment on his life. All that you uh, uh, 
gave him to do. Lord, we tonight celebrate what Jesus has accomplished and how it can change our experience. And so, Father, right now, I pray for those at the altar who have never been born again. Those who would say, I need salvation. I need that first and foremost ministry of Jesus. If you're here and you have a broken heart, if you've uh, had bruises in your life, if, if you identify just as I'm praying, you just receive the help that God wants to extend to you. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for broken hearts. We pray for hearts to be healed, Lord. Those who have been in great pain, Lord, I pray that tonight things would change. Their circumstances may be similar when they get home, but God, I pray that there is hope for their heart, that there is healing for their heart. We pray in Jesus' name for bruises to be gone. We pray, God, for healing of broken hearts. If you're here tonight and you'd say, hey, I'm in that category that needs physical healing. Father, we pray right now for your healing to be extended from heaven by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, we pray for physical healing for bodies uh, uh, tonight who are here in the church. And Lord, we may even be mindful of family members and friends who are outside the building tonight. Lord, we, we pray a pair, prayer of faith tonight for our friends, for loved ones, believing that you are able to physically heal. Lord, we thank you that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power gifts such as healing are, no, uh, are, are not ceased, but Lord, they are alive today. And we pray for breakthrough in, in people's pain and experience experience and chronic illnesses, Lord, we ask that right now we, we would receive from heaven physical healing in men and women and boys and girls and those who are gathered here in the room. Lord, we also want to pray for freedom. Lord, I pray uh, I, I have been so transparent tonight to just talk about my own struggle with anger, but Lord, I am so happy and so full of joy tonight because I don't live a life defeated by, by anger and maniacal rage. Lord, I thank you that I'm living proof that you can do a work in our hearts and extend freedom to us. So whatever the issues are in the lives of those gathered here at the altar, I pray for breakthrough tonight in Jesus' name, for freedom. We would never be the same. Lord, we would receive confidence that you are able to change these patterns. And Lord, it won't be by willpower. It'll be by your spirit. And so we pray that you would engage us, that you would activate the Holy Spirit in our lives, and that the byproduct of you being fully alive in us would be freedom to have victory over whatever it is that has trapped us for so very long. We renounce the lie that we have believed that says, I will always struggle with X, Y, or Z. Lord, we say tonight, that is a lie from hell, and we, we are free in the name of Jesus. And finally, I pray for those who just desire hope. I pray for those who need uh, favor being extended. Lord, it may be in the marketplace. It may be for a job interview. Lord, it could be for a marriage that is on the rocks. It could be for a, a, a wayward child. Whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that right now the hopeless would be full of hope. I pray that the favor of God would, would, would be poured out like rain from heaven on our lives tonight. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we thank the Lord for what He's done in our lives tonight?